Hello and welcome to AA Beyond Belief, the podcast. I'm your host, John S. Today we meet John C., a member of the board of Wafdiac who lives in Paris, France. We'll have a free-flowing conversation about atheism, AA, the upcoming convention in Austin, just a little bit of everything. John, how you doing? Hi, good. Hi, John. Good to hear you. It's well, good to see you. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm glad that we we're finally able to do this. We've been talking about doing this for a long time. Yeah, you're right. The convention in Austin is coming along really well. I'm really, really pleased with how things are panning out there. And uh, so, yeah, I think uh, now's a good time. Yep. You know, I was listening to um, your talk yesterday um, in Santa Monica. And, you know, I missed that when I was yeah. out there because I... I guess I got there. I guess I like I got there Friday afternoon. I can't remember when I got there, but I missed the I missed the fellowship speakers. So I'm glad I listened to that tape. But I did not realize that you were the one who suggested the second A in Waftiak. Yeah, yeah. I guess I really came out as an atheist in <laughs> that conference, kind of in a big way. But I and it, it really I had I had not at all planned that. Uh-huh. But um, it, it just kind of popped into my head as you know that you know we talk and 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 a lot of the meetings are called agnostics meetings right. and and but as an atheist, I think it's it was important that you know that atheists are also included in the name yeah and um so yeah so you know after that we also i also made a motion i think i surprised some of the people there uh that we change actually the name of the organization just putting in the other a for for atheists so i was we agnostic atheist i was there for that at the business meeting and right um, I'm glad that you did that because it always bugged me too. I'm an atheist. I'm a total atheist. And, um, it bugged me too, but I never would have said anything. I never would have thought to say anything about it. I figured, oh, what the hell? You know, it's just one A, but it deserves well, you know, to be in there. I mean, I've lived in, I've lived in France for almost 25 years now. And, and in France, if someone says, uh, je suis athée, you know, I'm an atheist. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, you know, a lot of people would say that, or sure. I, I, I'm a non-believer would be another way to say that. And it really does not have a particularly negative connotation here. Mm-hmm. But what I've noticed is in the States or in North America, and also things I guess I've read is if you if you really come out and say, I'm an atheist, whether it's in AA meetings or outside of AA meetings, uh, you're not going to get a lot of really positive feedback like, oh, gee, that's great or whatever. And and I think that's because as very learned young children, we learn at least what I learned as a young kid growing up in, in Texas was, you know, God is good. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to be good, you're going to follow God. And people right. who love God are the really good people. <laughs> and, right. and, and so then, you know, uh, on the flip side of that, if you don't, if you're not a believer, that somehow freaks people really out. I mean, you know, in America, you're given a lot of freedom to be a Episcopalian or a Methodist right. or a Baptist or whatever. Or Catholic, you know, but or and, and maybe even, you know, in some circles, even even, you know, alternative religions and, and especially I think spirituality has somehow become the new religion. But um, if you if you really come out and say I'm an atheist, atheists are, are, are pretty well hated. And I remember I remember Madeline Murray O'Hare. I, I think I went to hear her speak once when I was in, in university. And I mean, she was she was really hated. And in the end, she had a horrible death. But but, you know, she was the most hated Amer- woman in America. I think they yeah. described her as at one point in time. So. So, yeah, and, and, and I think that, you know, that um, dynamic somehow also uh, pushes into AA. And, and so if people say, if you really say, and for me, for me, I'm also very out as an atheist. And I'm, mm-hmm. I, I guess I tend to be a, a pretty, I don't want to be the, in people's face particularly right. about it. But I, I also, you know, don't want to think it's necessary to hide it. No, me too. I, I also said, I think now somehow, you know, it's like, and also, also being gay, you know, like I, I think what we've seen this past year with Caitlyn Jenner and things like that is mm-hmm. like all the transsexuals coming out. And so I think the atheists somehow <laughs> are, the, are the transsexuals of the, uh, the agnostic community yeah. or the secular community of AA, whatever you yeah. want to call it. So, yeah. Well, I tell you what, for me, um, I went straight 
from I don't I never really believed in God. I honestly don't think I did. I may have been somewhat deluded, but I was never a religious person. But when I first, when I really came to the conclusion that I'm an atheist, the first time I heard someone refer to me as an atheist, it bothered me. But now I'm completely comfortable with the word. So yeah, in, in the United States, you just kind of grow up with that being a negative word. It's almost like they attach some kind of political meaning to it. And actually, it's nothing other than I just don't believe in a, a deity. That's it. Period. Um, right. Uh, so anyway, I'm glad that you did that because it does belong there. And as we move on in this movement, the secular AA movement, you know, I, I do kind of hope that we remember the atheist because, um, you know, when, when we have new people come to our meeting, um, that's how, that's how most of them identify to tell you the truth. But anyway, I kind of digress. And they're definitely, so in Austin, there definitely will be, I think it's the first day there's a, uh, a panel called afternoon with the atheists. Yeah. And so I'll, and I will be speaking on that panel. So, and there'll be, uh, John H from Washington and, and several others yep. who will, will be talking about what it's like to be an atheist in AA. And I think, you know, for me, the goal of, of the, uh, of the convention in Santa Monica is, and especially in a place like Texas, where I said I grew up, I mean, Austin is definitely the San Francisco of Texas. So it's mm-hmm. by far and away the most liberal part, but, um, you know, in meetings and, and you're in the Midwest. So mm-hmm. I, I'm sure if you go to normal meetings and you say you're an atheist, you're going to get an, a reaction. Oh, there. Yeah. You're going to get a reaction, which is not at all positive. Well, and, AA uh, especially because AA is, um, I'm, I'm going against their belief that, that, that only a God can save us. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's, it's considered to be going against the program. Right. right? And, uh, I remember, and, and it, you touched on this because I listened to your, um, interview of last week with Jerry, you touched on this when I think you said, uh, yeah, the, uh, people who are, are let's, uh, for lack of a better term, I'd say fundamentalist AA people, they say something like this. I remember coming out as an atheist in a meeting and I, and somebody said, you know, you're probably not an alcoholic because if you are a real alcoholic, you have to have the spiritual experience or you wouldn't get better. So you're probably just a heavy drinker. So, you, you know, right. <laughs> kind of intimating that, you know, pro- why don't you just go back out and drink? Right. And, and I was shocked the first time I heard that. So, you know, <laughs> it's uh, it, it can be tough sometimes. Yeah. For, for, so that panel know, will kind I, of address there will those. Be a lot of that. That panel will address the kind of that, that difficulty that people have in the rooms then. Um, because I do think that there, there is. I think I'll address it in my talk. And, and yeah. yeah, you know, I think we, you know, if I look at the history of AA, atheists have always been in AA. Yep. And, and there was the, the famous one, was it Effie or Ellie? I forget his name. Yeah. <laughs> the very first one, you know, where they, the, the kind of story was, well, he did finally find God at the end or something. I don't, I don't remember exactly. But, but, uh, in any event, today, I think, uh, it's important that people who are non-believers are not turned away by too much religiosity. And and the thing which concerns me the most is because what a lot of fundamentalists in AA do is they apply something which fundamentalist Christians do, which is the following. If you don't believe in the four spiritual laws, I think the Baptists say, or the, you know, if you don't accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and these other things, then you're going to go to hell. And you're going to have an eternity of torment. Yeah. And and the fundamentalists in AA, they just move a slight step away from that <laughs> and, and say, well, you know, if you don't do this according to the 100, first 164 pages of this book, which means you have to do this and that and everything else, then you're going to drink again. And and, and, and which for people who, who are believers – it's not such of a problem, but people who are not believers, they're going to be completely turned off by that. Absolutely. And they may not stick around just because they feel forced into a specific belief. And, and I don't think that was really the intent mm-hmm. of the founders of AA. And it's certainly, you know, that, that in the, in, in WAFT, in, in we agnostics, atheists and free thinkers groups, in secular groups, we want to get people away from that. We want to we want to make be more accepting to people who do not want to believe, yep. who, who do not believe, yep. or maybe have doubts, or maybe don't believe like the Buddhists. Some what is non theistic Buddhists? They don't believe in an intervening God. Maybe they believe in something else. So so, so I think it's it you know AA 
and the the steps what they what they said then were the suggested steps mm-hmm. you know they're they are suggestions yeah and, they are and so uh, it's not <laughs> they're not the ten commandments they're again not. that you don't follow them you're you're going to go to hell right yeah and I we we actually talk about the steps sometimes at our meetings and sometimes I do a little caveat before I talk about them I say now listen just because you don't do these does not mean you're 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 going to be doomed to drunkenness and death it does not mean that you you are free to do or not do these however you wish. I mean, because around here, unfortunately, the, the, the regular meetings, I mean, it's, they, they preach these steps like you do these or you die. It's a do or die situation. And it, that puts a lot of pressure on people. It makes people feel guilty if they're feeling like, like crap because they're not doing the steps right, blah, blah, blah. I really hate it. So, but I love the steps. I just don't like the pressure that is put on people about the steps. Just do them there. Do them or not do them, whatever you want. Um, I, I see some benefit to it, but, um, they're not, I don't see them as essential. You know, I think there's, it's also somehow, um, some issues of semantics. I, I think there's nothing magical. I think the steps have good principles and good, you know, there's a lot of good things in them somehow. You know, for me, the, the thing that continue, continually comes up that, that I think also one of the main things in, in AA is, is to, to be able to admit that I was wrong. You know, I was wrong in the fact that I didn't accept that I was an alcoholic. I was, I was just in error, maybe wrong as it was, right. you know, I was mistaken, you know, and I, and I'm frequently mistaken. I continue to be mistaken. So, when I first got to AA, I was, you know, in, in complete denial. You know, I didn't want to believe that in spite of overwhelming evidence to the contrary, I didn't want to believe that I was an alcoholic and, an, and a drug addict. And, yeah. you know, I wanted to try somehow and control the, the what I was using, whether it was, you know, like, okay, I want to use cocaine now and I want to drink, but I still want to smoke marijuana or, or, or whatever it was. And then, you know, when I think I, I, I did come and, and, you know, fortunately I was young when I, when I got to the rooms, when I did, you know, come to the realization that, okay, I really can't use any mind altering substance in any kind of success. And, and that if I do that, it, you know, it is characterized as a kind of an illness or a disease, whatever you want to call it, that, you know, and a progressive illness that I will definitely go downhill all the way and could be very quickly. Yeah. You also mentioned in your talk that that admission that when you finally say I'm an alcoholic, that that was a, that was a kind of a freeing experience for you. You know, I, I, I remember when I went to my first meeting, I said, I'm an alcoholic and mm-hmm. I did, I did have a feeling that, okay, I, I mean, I, I didn't want at that point to, I, I didn't understand what that actually meant. Right. And I, and I did drink again and use drugs again after that point. I think what I, what I, what I would what I wanted to think anyway, was that if I had a certain period of abstinence that I could supposedly drink in a normal way right. and, and, to quote the big book, you know, chapter three, the, the persistence of that illusion. And I've seen it, you know, because I've been in and I've seen it here in Paris. You know, I've lived here, like I said, for 25 years. And, uh, you know, this past year we had three people who were continually in and out of the program uh, in, in English speaking AA here. Um, died one of a heroin overdose and one of suicide and mm-hmm. and uh, you know and one really of alcoholism and and so it is it is a serious illness and it is cunning baffling and powerful so I think there's a lot of truth in the big book in the steps uh, but I think everyone has to has to determine what is what's true and what's evolved and what's you know, again, not not take, let's say, a, a, a Baptist version right. of, the, of the big book, which right. I mean, to make the comparison again, the 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 um, a lot of people in AA, they they're like the Baptists of, of, of AA so that, you know, every word in the big book is absolutely right. God's revealed truth to the alcoholic. Right. And you, and I just <laughs> you said in your talk in Santa Monica, you said, "Why do we have a Why do we have a book, and why do we have to study this book like it's the Bible?" Um, I wish I would have heard that talk back then. I needed to hear it back then because I I wasn't hearing that kind of stuff. I was I was fairly new to being an atheist in AA at that time in Santa Monica when that came out, but. Right. I've kind of come to that conclusion too. I, damn it, I don't know what to say about this damn big book. I, um, I think there's, some, we actually put an article out about it today. There's a lot of value to that, that, that book, but I've had it actually used against me. I've had people 
attack me with the goddamn book. Um, people that sat in meetings with me for 25 years, but when I started singing a different tune, they didn't like it. And so <laughs> I don't know. I have, I have, I, I have a hard time with it, but. It's not the book itself. It's the way that people revere the book and treat the book as if it's holy. And it was never intended to be that. That hurts people. Exactly. That's exactly right. And, you know, since it was written, there, there have been a lot of things written about alcoholism, you know, some better than others. And, and you know, actually, sometimes I think the for me, even when I first started, the part I liked best about the book were the stories of the people in the back, because it seemed to be much more yeah. understandable. And uh so, you know, whether it's, you know, I mean, one of the latest things I I, I read is, our, actually, one of the first things I read when I got sober was this book by Carrie Fisher, Postcards from the Edge, because I got sober in 1986. Okay. And then, and she's written subsequent books, and, and they're quite funny and stuff like that. It's, a, it's you know, kind of tongue-in-cheek stuff. I'll say, which, which I always remember is that, you know, I, I don't have to like AA, I just have to go. You know, because yeah. I really think for me that going and being involved with sober people, I think that's has is what is has enabled me to have long term sobriety. And, and I notice that people who who do not frequent the meetings too too much, they're the ones you know they're the ones who tend to go back out and and drink again or yeah. or drug again. Or, you know, so so that's why I really try, and especially if I'm going through a difficult time. That like just to double up on meetings and have more contact with sober people because yeah. it would be so easy to pick up a drink, you know, even for me after 30 years or a drug or whatever. And because it's very, very, you know, it's alcohol is omnipresent in our side in our society. I was in Seattle for three weeks uh, this this year, and uh, you know now uh, the cannabis has been completely decriminalized oh, yeah. there, and they're selling it in shops. And, and so you know that reminded me of of Amsterdam, you know, since years. But you know, alcohol and drugs are are quite easy to obtain. Is it different socially in Europe to like if you're out with people? Because I mean, cause I know that uh, wine is what they drink it all the time, right? <laughs> I'm assuming. Yeah, sure. It's very. Fr- I mean, the Germans drink beer. The French yeah. drink wine. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, I do work in in business, and it's usual to refuse the wine. Yeah. It's unusual. Yeah. Uh, you know, in North America, I think it's a bit, people are a bit more used to it. But people are also, France in a lot of ways, in some social things, it tends to run 10 or 15 years behind. So yeah. there is a much stronger social conscience about alcoholism. AA in France is very, very well represented. And just in the Paris area, I think there are probably 50 meetings a week in French. And in English, in Paris, we have we have over forty meetings. So wow. I mean, it's a cosmopolitan place. Yeah, we do because wow. uh, I mean, there are people from all over the world here. Plus, sure. uh, Paris, I think it still is, even after <laughs> the terrorist attacks. Paris is the the capital of tourism. It's probably the number one spot of, for tourists around the world. And so there's there are always tourists in our meetings as well. Yeah. And so, yeah. we've got some agnostic meetings there. I, you started. You yes, started. we do. We, from a long time. So the the really the story of agnostic meetings are. Um, I went to an agnostic meeting in New York City. I think it's the one in Sunday on Sunday in the Gan Lesbian Center, and mm-hmm. and I was really um, I really liked it. And mm-hmm. and I don't know if you know that meeting at all there, but it is very 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 hardcore atheists. Really, I'm some gonna go next more hardcore than me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and it was you know kind of that radical. Greenwich Village left atheist, yeah. you know, ex-Jewish yeah. left or whatever, and, and very very good meetings. I uh-huh. really like those. And so I came back here. I just took the format, and we started a meeting. I think it's been about eighteen years ago. Uh, and at first, it was quite slow to get off the ground. I'd say there were probably five or six of us who were regulars. But ever since, once it took off, you know, it's it's a long running meeting, and we have I'd say an average of. 15 people at the meeting, and uh, that was the first one. Uh, subsequent to that, uh, someone else founded a an agnostic meditation meeting. Mm, so, mm-hmm. yeah, I, it's not a meeting that I go to. I, I, I have a bit of difficulty sitting in a dark room listening to, yeah. <laughs> to meditation types with people, but, but uh, they like that. And two years ago, we started a free thinkers meeting, Using a a little bit different format, what we do, what it's evolved into. First, we would 
we would read either AA literature, we would read one week AA literature, and the second week we would read non-AA literature, anything. So people read poems mm-hmm. and, and a lot of stuff that came off AA agnostic and beyond belief as mm-hmm. well. So so stuff you know that people have written on there, we'd mm-hmm. read that and then discuss that. Actually, what it's evolved into now, because that was a bit difficult, because the leader then had to like print something up mm-hmm. for every meeting. That, that was a bit laborious, but now we use Joe C's yeah. agnostic meditation book every week, and some person reads that, and then we just go around the room and share. And it's, I was also afraid again that that meeting wouldn't take off because in the beginning there were three, four, five people, and and now we have quite. We have a few regulars, and it's it's one of the most interesting meetings in Paris because the the interesting thing is that when you say it's a free thinkers meeting, mm-hmm. your average person does not really know what that means. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we get a, a huge mix, and and you know we've had back to basics people there that were a bit infuriated. Right. We've also had you know, I remember at least one time that I was there. When we read the agnostic format, and mm-hmm. and um, you know, and then someone started sharing, someone else was quite offended and actually left the mm-hmm. meeting. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, but it you know it does give for an interesting interesting mix every single week, and so yeah, it's been cool. Well, that's how we do our meetings. We uh, we don't ever read AA literature except for Living Sober, but the other books, and it's not. It's just that it just doesn't work for us. It just doesn't work for right. us. I mean, at first, I think it can be interesting to read AA literature and 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 have people, um, you know, really give an honest opinion. Do I believe that or not? Or mm-hmm. what are they saying here? You know, instead of just repeating what it says. Like if you go to a big book study in most places, it's not it's not a critical evaluation of the text. No. It's just that it is definitely the truth. And you know, what does this sentence mean or something? But right. I, I've been and actually, there's there are some meetings in Austin. Which Nick heads up, or heads up, where Nick was one of the main people. They've been going on. The, the meetings are called uh, Children of Chaos. Mm-hmm. I think that's also a line in the big book somewhere. I don't know where, but, and, and the Children of Chaos, they actually do use it. Like, I think they read the big book on one meeting every week. It's a, it's a, a daily noon meeting, an agnostics meeting, but they, they read out of the big book one day and the 12 or 12 another day, and then they have speaker share. And, and you do get people who say, well, you know, this is, it is a human power, you know, for example, sure. you, stuff like that. So who came up with that um, for the convention? Um, human, the human power can relieve our alcoholism. I like it. Uh, that was actually myself. And I really? think congratulations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so somebody, somebody had the, uh, somebody said, I, I think they started it as may you find us now. Yeah. And then I added it on the bit, human power can relieve our alcoholism. I love you know? it. I think some people, I, I was a bit it. controversial, but it, I was surprised that it, that it went through without, it was brilliant. We went through without hardly any trouble at all. It so, was yeah. brilliant. Again, I, I didn't really appreciate it when I first saw it. Before, when I first saw it, I thought, hmm, I wonder how it's going to go in Kansas City. And I'll tell you how it went in <laughs> Kansas City. It was, um, they, it raised some eyebrows. <laughs> they, yeah, uh, I guess. they, uh, I guess. here's what happened. They, um, okay, they, 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 they did put our flyer out. They gave it to all the groups. They put it on their website. They're very, very nice to us about it. But when they presented the flyer to, um, all the AA groups, they gave, they gave this little, this little, um, warning. You, you, Every group is autonomous. You can display this at your meeting hall or not. It is up to your group. Right. And I was a little offended by that. I thought, wait a second. You didn't do this. That was the first time they did that, right? (laughs) Yeah. It's like, wait a second. You don't go around telling groups that they they have a right to hang a flyer or trash a flyer. So I sent off an email to the central office director and I, I do like her a lot. She's a sweet lady and she, she means she's a wonderful person. So nothing against her, but she said basically, well, John, some people felt like you were violating the ABCs, the ABCs, you know, and how it works. Of course, which is, yeah, that's where it came from. Right. Yeah. And I thought, well, hell, I, I didn't think you could violate it. <laughs> can you violate it? be like the no human, no human power could really allow cause and that God so could and would fuck. It yes. was a good thing. But then uh, at a meeting, um, a couple, uh, our last Tuesday night meeting, a guy came from a group um, outside the city, a small town group, and he brought the flyer with him and he pointed to that line and he smiled um, because that, that, I mean, it just made him feel like, yes, that is what does it. It's human power that does it. 
And yeah, that's I great. think we should stand our ground. Yeah, hell yeah. That's what sure. we believe. There's nothing right. wrong with it. And there's nothing, and there's nothing contrary to AA about that either. I don't think so. I, I don't think that part of the book, I mean, uh, yeah, again, that some people do think that they do believe that. So, but, uh, but I think it says in one of the other books somewhere is AA does not require that you believe anything, right. maybe in the 12. So good. That if we don't have to believe it, then let's, let us believe what we want. Yeah. God is either everything or he's nothing. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's another one. That's the other one that, yeah, that really gets thrown out a lot. And when people throw that out at me, then I, I go back to them and I say, well, for me, God is nothing right, because I don't means. believe in God. And right. wow, you look at people's faces when you say that. Yeah. They're, that really kind of shocks them. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's actually been kind of good for me uh, in a way um, because, you know, I'm actually um, kind of a introverted person. Um, but being an atheist in Missouri sometimes, it kind of, has, kind of, kind of emboldens you to um, – be a little bit more uh, outspoken about it, especially in, in AA. But I don't necessarily, John, anymore have to deal with it because we have so many agnostic meetings now here that I don't, I don't really go to regular meetings, but I do deal with it like at the general service and uh, in, in general service because I, I'm involved with the district and the area assembly and stuff like that. And that's where I deal with it. That's where I have to deal with the people who want to pray at the end of every meeting and everything. So. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I do go to a lot of regular meetings because, of course, I mean, depending on where I travel, you know, and I, I travel really a lot. I, I, I travel to Asia quite often, to Japan and, and, and China, and I was in South America a few weeks ago. So I don't really have the luxury of always going to agnostic meetings. Right. And I don't always have to come out as an atheist, but it does come up, I'd say, fairly frequently. And, and But also even in Paris – I do go to – I'll go to almost any of the meetings here. Right. My, my latest thing I've been going to is uh, – I've been going to um, a bit more of uh, NA meetings mm-hmm. because there's one right in my neighborhood. And, and I had been going to um, a meeting on Sunday where there isn't a, an agnostic meeting here. I've been going to a meeting that, that tends to attract kind of a fundamentalist crowd and – I, I don't know why, but I did. I did mention in one of those meetings that I was an atheist, and then at the end they asked me to say the prayer. Right. So I, I just declined. And uh, because that's another thing is that in a normal meeting, I mean, I will I'll definitely hold hands with the people, but I, I don't see the need to to repeat the prayer. No, I and don't then, either. And if people, if somebody asks me to say the prayer, I just say no thanks, and that always that always surprises people as well. Yeah, I won't ever pray with them again. I um um at the last uh, I I got I guess I should be kind of careful about what I say, but no no one around here listens to this podcast anyway. But anyway, when I was um at the last area assembly, I had this motion before the assembly about um how. I wanted um, the General Service Conference to recommend to GSO that any time an agnostic group approaches a central office to be listed, that the central office always be unambiguous and agree to list the group. Well, there was a lot of discussion about this, and um, one of the uh, people who came to the microphone to discuss it said that, no – and and this is really interesting. They mentioned Austin, by the way. She said, no, I was familiar with these groups in Austin, and one of those groups affiliated itself with a religion. And so you have to be really, really careful. I, I don't know what the hell she's talking about. Well, that's an interesting <laughs> point. That's a really interesting point because in Austin – you have one of the freakiest meetings. That's what I've I was ever thinking. The Dharma did. meeting. What? No, there's actually there are actually two. There was one called Dharma of Recovery, and then then and I and then there was I forget what's the so other. You know term, what she's talking there was about. Another, but but I think the the one that, yeah I do know what she's talking about. The one that I've been to a few times. It's gotten a bit too much for me at that uh-huh. meeting. But it's a, a meeting, and I think it's on Sunday afternoon, and it's in the Buddhist temple in okay. Austin, which right. was a converted. Uh, 20s house and it's in the i don't know where they the sanctuary or whatever where there's a big buddha there and the meeting is on the everyone sits on the floor on cushions mm-hmm. and um the i think there's like a 10 or 15 minutes of silence and mm-hmm. then they read something <laughs> from some kind of buddhist <laughs> literature okay. which okay. i okay. Oh, 
I, I didn't have any idea right. what they were talking right. about, but uh, <laughs> right. you know, I guess if they want to have it like that, it, I mean, it was okay. And I, I remember it, the first time I went, they chanted the Serenity Prayer without the word God three times. Okay. And then the next time I went, that was when I decided it was getting a bit too yeah, much for I, me. See, I don't like that kind of stuff. I don't like the. <laughs> the next time I went, they were bowing. They they like oh, bowing. They were bowing to each other, and it just seemed to me. Was just too, too off the wall, but okay. You know, again, more power to if that's, that's right. what they want to do. They, they the should right be able to do that. To do it. Yeah. Anyway, this girl, she said, "Oh, they're familiar. but you know what they all did afterwards? They all uh, closed with the Lord's prayer." And the the people who said, uh, "So wait a second, who's affiliated with a religion here?" You know these people. Mm. So I I was a little ticked of off. And I, so I won't ever yeah. play with them again. Yeah, I, I have to say also, I would have been much less tolerant of the meeting if they had had read a Christian. Uh, uh, meditation book or something like that. I probably right. wouldn't have stayed for the meeting. But since it's so exotic, and, and you know, actually in Japan, I was talking to some people because Buddhism is also a religion, and it's mm-hmm. also very strict and very, you know, it can be in Asia, it can be as constraining as you know some forms of Christianity can here. Mm-hmm. You know, the more fundamentalist you get in any religion, sure, the, for me, the worse it is. So, so I was talking to a person there who said, you know, that you know, uh, Buddhism is not as you know, open or whatever, as people in the West would like to think it, it is. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Um, Cause yeah, there, it seems to be kind of popular in um, agnostic AA at our group. There's a couple of people who read the Buddhist 12 um, step books and, and talk about the Buddhism and everything, but they have a, yeah. It's, and they, and they openly say, Oh, this isn't a religion at all. You know? Well, well. Right. But I also want to say that in Austin, we've tried to be, um, welcoming also to Buddhists because of, because there is a large Buddhist community there. And if they want, if they want to be part of our uh, convention, they're welcome. And there is a, there is at least one Buddhism panel and probably two, if it makes it, there's one specifically, um, with the title Buddhism in it. And I think there's another one called, uh, all is clouded by desire or something like that, which right. is a Buddhist principle or something like that. So. Right. Well, I think that's fine. Uh, I've learned a lot of, a lot of good stuff from it. I, we used to do some meditation, um, here in Kansas City and I actually read some, uh, I think it was Jack Cornfield was, wrote a book and on kind of based on, on Buddhist principles and it was actually kind of helpful for me. But yeah, anyway, you know. Well, I mean, there's a, there are a couple of famous, but I read them at one time. I, I couldn't tell you what they're about now, but there, there are a couple of, uh, recovery books with, yeah, with definite or maybe several now with the definite slant on Buddhism and, yeah. So, so yeah, I think it's. Uh, so, what's it like, John? You've been to the meetings in Japan, uh, AA meetings in Japan. I have, yes. What are those like? Are they, are they much? Well, different? I've been to the English speaking meetings because I don't speak Japanese, okay. but they're they have a very eclectic crowd there, um, and they do have an agnostics meeting there. Yes, well. I know that they do. Mm-hmm. And I was hoping that a friend of mine would was going to be able to come to the meeting he had originally intended to, but. I think now he's got a, gotten a new job and he won't be able to. But is he, does the, he go you know, to the Japanese also, group? Is, does he go to that group well, he, in Tokyo? Uh, it's Christopher. Chris, and Christopher speaks fluent Japanese, um, but um, and he's married to a Japanese woman. But he, uh, um, I don't know if he goes to Japanese A. I think he has gone to Japanese A as well. Mm-hmm. But there's also, I think, what he said about uh, Japanese AA is that they also, you know, they take a, a, a very uh, – liberal or whatever approach on on the word god and yeah and, you know, that they don't really the, the way it, it's being translated it w- was quite liberal or whatever with the with those with the concept of god anyway right right well i i the reason i was asking about that is i'm i want to do um some podcasts of agnostic meetings from around the world so i, I oh well, i'll definitely put you in in contact with christopher and he's that'd a, be cool he actually just did a very, very interesting podcast on um, sexuality in Japan, and I can send oh. you that link. Uh, okay. uh, and, and so I'm sure he, he would love to do, to do a podcast with you. Well, that'd be really cool. So that way we get Japan, Australia, the UK, Canada, France now. So. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And London, they also have quite a strong group there. Uh, mm-hmm. I've been to is in Islington on, th- on Thursday nights. They have a very strong agnostics group there, and it's it's very good. And and but they have also other ones that I haven't been to. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm pretty excited about this, and I'm looking forward to the to the thing in um, Austin. I 
I don't know if you noticed, but after the Santa Monica convention, I think there were like, there were well over a hundred new um, agnostic meetings that started after that convention in the last couple of years. Oh, I had no idea. That's great. That's, that's really, really great. And that's what, you know, I, I hope will also be the momentum after Austin is that, you know, and there'll also be, there's one panel on, you know, how do you start a secular meeting? Because, right. uh, you know, some people won't know. And, right. and so people who've actually done that will, will be leading the, the, that panel. And there'll also be some interesting discussions about, you know, what has happened. Because there is definitely in certain parts of the world, and surprisingly enough, Canada seems to be one yeah. <laughs> that, you know, where the agnostic groups are not listed. And right. you have very, you know, now there's this lawsuit right. with the Canadian Board of Human Rights. There'll be a special panel on that. That'll be very the, interesting. The person who um, actually had filed the lawsuit should be in Austin, and he'll be giving an update on that. Yep. Um, the, I think, interestingly enough, the defense of the uh, – intergroup as being that uh, in fact AA is a religion and right. religion should be exempt from the uh, from the requirement that uh, that a group should be able to have a meeting without any any regard to faith or not or lack of it so yeah I think they very fired, very they fired their original work. lawyers I think and now they're trying a different defense but um, yeah I don't think I don't know how you can just back out of one defense and throw out another one. But I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but that, but, that but I think it's important, you know. In some places, they don't read any non-AA literature. In in our agnostics group in Paris, we actually do read a version of the Agnostic Twelve Steps. Really? And other than there was one member. In the original group, who who was opposed to that, and and she decided because of that she wouldn't come to the meeting anymore. We've had absolutely no pushback at all from the intergroup here, right. even though we read the agnostic twelve steps in the meeting. Well, that's really interesting. You know, um, we don't do that. We don't read anything. We just read right. the AA preamble and we read the agnostic preamble, or whatever. We don't read the steps. In fact, we have the regular twelve steps displayed at our meeting um and we just leave it up to individuals to interpret the steps however they want to if they want to and we right. but we never read from aa literature we but we always read from either joe's book we read from the alternative 12 steps book we we always read something sometimes we, we've read from songs and different things like that so yeah that's cool that's good yeah but um yeah but that's the thing about the these conven- the convention i think is the most important thing is that the group more groups will come more meetings will come out of it and i think that what we're doing in in um, the secular aa um, movement i guess if you want to call it that is we truly are um, reaching out uh, to people outside of alcoholics right, right alcoholics anonymous right now people who aren't getting help in aa who are in fact staying away from aa um, are, are coming to our meetings. Um, at least that's what I find here is people say they specifically seek out an agnostic secular meeting. So, um, we're helping, yeah. we're helping people. It's really important. Absolutely. Absolutely. We have a lot of newcomers who come to the agnostic meeting. A lot of them come to their first meeting because they see, because they, you know, a lot of people who come to a at first, they don't want that they don't want that or they've been to a religious meeting or they've had some kind of, uh, let's say, bad experience with religion in the past. So they'll come to our meeting as, as their first meeting. And, and that's been very that's been very heartening to see. And I think, again, yeah, we want to make AA more open to everybody right. and also for that people when they do come to a meeting. You know, like like I said, for myself, I often when I go to non uh, agnostic to regular AA meetings, and I say I'm an atheist, even if there's a lot of pushback in the main part of the meeting, quite often I've had the experience of people will come up to me afterward and will say, you know, thank you so much for saying that. Thank you, because, it, you know, I feel pretty much the same way, but I've been sober for six months or a year, and I, of course, I, I, I don't really feel comfortable saying that because of the, the feedback that I'll get. So, so yeah, I, I, I also think for me, it's important that, you know, part of the the honesty, open-mindedness and willingness is also having the honesty to say in a meeting and not – it can be a bit tricky when we go to those meetings. But – and I think we also have – there will also be a panel on, you know, what, what to do and how do we express what we express when we do go to those regular meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how can I do that? 
it, it, not in a way which tries to to cut down what the other people are saying, but just to express my truth. Right. Yeah. And, and that can be a bit tricky sometimes. It, it can be very, very tricky. Um, I was actually, I did an interview with a woman from a treatment center in California who's going to do an article and she was using me as like a, a source for how to be an atheist in AA. And it was really hard to convey to her how difficult it can be because she was looking from the perspective of people coming out of treatment and how do they deal with an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting if they're a non-believer, if they're an atheist. And, um, yeah, it, it, it really kind of depends upon the person and how comfortable they are dealing with a, being an, an atheist in a religious society. But an AA can be even more difficult. Um, I just encourage, I just said, you know what? Just be honest about who you are and what you believe and um, know that you don't have to stand up and pray with everybody if you don't want to, <laughs> you know. Right. Um, Absolutely. Um, but as time goes on, there'll be um, more of these secular meetings. And in fact, I, th I think it's the future of AA, to be honest with you. Um, I think that yeah. it really yeah, is. It's interesting because w there's another panel, and I, and I think – Jerry may be on this one again, who you spoke to last week. There's another panel in Austin, which is called the the decline of AA. Because yeah, I, think I saw that. I was learning about the, that. Right. If you look at the statistics, um, AA, the membership in AA actually plateaued and is as as been declining now. Right. For I don't know how many, and, and I don't I don't really know the statistics, but that's what uh, you know. Jerry, who I'm sure does, because he's very up on that kind right. of stuff. He. Uh, he is going to talk about that, you know, and, and that that's another reason for secular meetings, because I think if you see young people today, they're certainly much less religious than their, their generation of their parents. Yeah. And, and so if they go into a meeting and it's all about higher power and getting on your knees and, uh, you know, just the, the, if the first experience of going to a meeting and people saying my higher power, mm -hmm. that expressions like that, it's weird. Only in AA do you hear that kind of right. expression. It's so weird. For me, it's kind of a weird culty thing to it say. Is. It, is. it is weird, but it's so common. You know, it's so common that, that people say that. And, and there, there are other things of course, as well. Um, so maybe that's a reason for the decline. Yeah, and I'm a broken record, but also it has to, I, a lot of it has to do with the internet, um, because people now can get information about Alcoholics Anonymous before they go to an AA meeting and they, sure. and they hear, and they get to hear the, um, about all of this stuff, you know, about how cultish it can be and so forth. Like when I went to my first AA meeting, you know, all I knew was from what I read in Dear Abby, you know, I, I didn't know anything or what I saw in the movies. Um, so when I went to that meeting and I heard all of that God talk, it, it kind of, it was weird to me. I thought it was strange, but I just went along. I just said, okay, what the hell, you know, I'm going to go and do it. But now people don't go along. People like, no, fuck, that's crazy. You know, that's, that's nuts. And, and, um, so they won't even try. So we have to reach out to those people. I think if we, if we really want to help anybody, um, we need to take down the barriers. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and there can be, you know, there's all, it's not only religious barriers. I had a recent experience because because I, uh, like I said, there's an in, in my neighborhood, and there in a here in English is not as well organized, and um, so I started going to this meeting a, a few months ago, and and I met a young woman, a very bright a British woman, and and just starting out, and and you know it was obvious that she needed some more English speaking meetings because she didn't have enough and she mm -hmm. didn't speak French, so I invited her to come to to another meeting meeting that I founded, which is the Living Sober meeting here, oh, yeah. and it's on Saturday. And that, that was actually the first before I even went to uh, to that meeting in New York and find out about agnostic meetings. I started a Living Sober meeting just because I thought that book was so good, and, mm -hmm. and and so I I told her to come to that meeting, and she made the mistake of of in the meeting she and it's an open meeting, which mm -hmm. is another thing that got my go. She said, "I'm an addict and not I'm an alcoholic." Mm -hmm. And somebody interrupted her share oh, and said, this is an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. And uh, that really, really set me off because, you know, she, she was somebody who was new and, you know, and she was very, very upset and started crying. And, and, I, and I, I was not there that day, but I found out later. So, 
So now when I go to that meeting, I, I don't say I'm an alcoholic. I say I'm an addict just to see if somebody's going to try and shut me up. But but they haven't yet. So anyway. Yeah, this seems to be uh, – I, I, I'm kind of getting concerned about this. This seems to be a new phenomena in AA right now, this hyper um, concern of singleness of purpose um, and um, – and that looking at the long form of the of the third tradition, you know, um, really being narrow right. about um, having outside uh, someone who's an addict, whatever. I've never seen. I mean, it's getting real kind of crazy. Um, I, I don't know. It's something I, I want to look at. But I, I can understand what happened to that woman because I've seen it happen to a guy here. He was literally chased out of a group because he introduced himself as an addict. Yeah, it's that's really sad. And uh you know, I, I think it's also interesting to notice that in the in the big book, that one story that was doctor, addict, alcoholic, they changed the title of that story. Now it's something else. Really? Well, yeah. I mean, from the from the third, because actually when I got sober, it was the third edition when I, I, I started getting that. So there's a chapter, there was a, a chapter in the stories part. And the, it, I remember the It was chapter. entitled Doctor, Addict, Alcoholic. alcoholic. I remember that. And now they change it something else, like something with acceptance. Well, isn't or that interesting? So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so it's it, it's those kind of thing, and, you know. And I agree that that some people in AA, and it's, it's especially older people who didn't do any drugs, or people, or anyway, just people who didn't do any drugs. Maybe they're not gonna relate to something that he says about yeah. a drug or something. But on the other hand, and, and AA can't be everything to everybody. So I think that's also why NA exists is because those people were were rejected from AA originally. You know. Right. But um, anyway, I don't think that, and especially when we have an open meeting. You know. Yeah. yeah that that's that right. somebody is shut up. That's that that I didn't really understand that. But also, let me also stress that uh, Ken, our member from Australia, yeah. is gonna will be leading an NA meeting, a, a specific NA meeting at the uh, at Waft. So certainly, all addicts are invited as Absolutely. well, and will not be turned away no. from any of our meetings, no matter what they share. So nope. there you have it. Nope. Well, let's see. One other thing I wanted to ask you about, I guess, and this is kind of going backwards. Um, Okay. You got sober in Austin, so no, 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 you didn't. No, I, I started getting sober in Amarillo. I Amarillo. didn't grow up in Austin. I grew no. up in Amarillo. Yeah. I know that you grew up in Amarillo, but you then you went to meetings in Austin. You met Charlie P. Right? Did you? Is that who you? I did meet Charlie, and I met Charlie at a not at an agnostics meeting, but Charlie was the, actually the first person that I met who actually said in a regular AA meeting, "I'm an atheist." That's right. And Said that in a men's meeting, which is called Liars Club in Austin. I used to think it <laughs> it was a really cool meeting because uh, it's outdoors and it's in this kind of uh, funky cafe. And um, you know, uh, but Charlie. So that's where I met Charlie, and we talked after. And and uh, yeah, I've been to the I've been many times to the agnostics meeting meetings in Austin, and there there are quite a lot of them. I think there's probably mm, 10 or 10 or 12 uh, agnostic style meetings in austin a week so um yeah, and charlie started those yeah, yeah he, started, he was a great guy uh, he started the first we agnostics group in um los angeles and then he moved to california and started um i mean not, not, i mean austin and started those meetings exactly yeah which is great and he was a very very nice man and, and very supportive yeah well, that's cool well i don't know what else we want to cover is there anything we want to talk about about the convention Coming up, you got any news about Only that? that it's going to be a lot of fun, that Austin, if you don't know Austin, it's a really cool place. Like I said, it's the San Francisco of Texas, yep. but there's a lot of stuff to do, and there's music, and there's also a, a great place to go swimming called Barton Springs. Hopefully, it'll be warm enough, mm-hmm. and um, you know, it's it's really a great place, and, and I, I think there's going to be, a, a, you know, we've seen so far that the participation is going to be pretty strong. So yeah. I think uh, um, over 150 people have already confirmed wow. rooms. Stuff. Plus there'll be, there'll be uh, locals as well. And, and I'm sure people, you know, that, that part of Texas, you have San Antonio, which is not far and right. people will drive in from Dallas and Houston because Texans, 
liberal Texans love to go to Austin. Uh And I think you'll also, you have a lot of small towns. And I think people who will have seen the thing, and they're also doing quite a lot of promotion within the state. And don't forget that Texas is the second state for population in the United States. Mm -hmm. And and so I think you'll have a lot of people driving in from from smaller towns around. And there is even a there's even a panel on small town AA, you know, so, uh, so yeah, what we've really tried to do is, uh, is have some, something for everyone. So there's, there's a young people's meeting. There'll be a seniors meeting. There's a men's meeting. There's a women's meeting. There's a L. I used to think it was a gay meeting, but now, of course, the term is LGBT. And I thought it, then I thought it was LGBT, but no, no. Of course, now it's LGBTQ. Right. And and I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I think it's uh, not for sure whether the Q is queer or questioning. Questioning. So, that, but but LGBTQ meeting as well, and uh, a Buddhist meeting, as I mentioned before. Yeah. Um, the um, Diane P is leading a meeting with a very interesting title, which. I forgot now, but but yeah. uh, Diane is the president, and she's been uh, she's been very helpful. That'll and, be really uh, good. We've if you, a lot of if you've listened yeah. to the the, you can go on the Waftiak YouTube site, and Diane has a talk there about I think it's women and waft. I think was what she did a talk on. Excellent. She's really really good. She's a very good uh, public speaker. Absolutely, absolutely. So we're going to have a lot of fun, and so. Uh, so get everyone you know in Kansas City to come down, and and you know from around the country and people who are listening to this because it, it the, the the conference in Santa Monica already was amazing. It was it an was. amazing atmosphere, and and it's just so nice to be with people of like mind. Yeah, and uh, I think they had and, like and, ultimately three hundred people in Santa Monica, if I remember right. Yeah. And yes. Pam W. So said what? that we're on schedule to probably beat that because where we're at right now from the time to you have to the um, convention as far as you go, hotel bookings and stuff, she says we're right on track to um, exceed um, what was going on in um, Santa Monica. Definitely on track. People should make their room reservations now because the hotel is filling up quite quickly. And uh, Nick and I discussed, I think, you know, we'll have to cap out uh, because of the space at about 450 or 500. So uh, we're not quite there yet, but and we certainly don't want to turn people away, but people should try and sign up really as as soon as they can now. Yep. $99, not a bad rate. $99 a night. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Well, John, um, thank you very much for doing this. It's been a lot of fun talking to you. Oh, it has been fun. Yeah, I've enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. And I look forward to seeing you in Austin. Yes, it'll be fun. I'm driving down with a, a couple of people from Kansas City. I think there's going to be about five to seven of us so far, and there's probably a few other people that might, are still thinking about it. So last time I was the only person from Kansas City, so now that's, we're going to really increase that quite a bit this time around. Excellent. Well, if you drive down, that should be fun. And, and I can tell you my uh, – my big tip about Texas, if you have a car and you also want to spend a, a few extra days, is go to uh, Big Bend National Park. Oh, okay. But that's quite, that's quite a bit of a further drive. It's a very okay. isolated it's, – it's the largest – it's one of the largest national parks in the U.S. and one of the least visited. So look at it on a map. You know, I've never been to why. Texas. The only thing to part of Texas oh. I've ever been to was like the Houston airport. Right. Okay. That's it. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a long drive from Kansas City. A lot of it will yeah. be through the Great Plains. So, uh, you know, a lot of it's going to be boring. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. All right. All right, man. Well, you have a good time over there in Paris. Thanks, John. <laughs> I will do. And uh, like I said, I look forward to seeing you soon. All right, man. Thank you very much. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, that's it for another episode of AA Beyond Belief, the podcast. We hope you enjoyed the program. We'll be back again next week speaking with Ben B. about steps six and seven. So until then, be well and take care.